The failure of drug war is glaringly obvious to judges, cops, wardens, prosecutors, and millions more now calling for decriminalization, legalization, the end of prohibition. Let us investigate the century of lies. Hello and welcome to Century of Lies. I'm your host, Doug McVeigh. Safe consumption sites and overdose prevention centers are proven interventions that save lives, prevent the spread of disease, enhance public safety, and improve public health. There are a couple hundred above-ground legal sites operating successfully around the world. In the U.S., there are currently two legally authorized sites in operation, both in New York City, and another will soon open in the state of Rhode Island. Families of overdose victims, along with public health experts and harm reduction advocates in cities and states around the U.S., are working to get these life-saving programs established in their areas. One such effort is underway in Colorado. House Bill 23-1202 is a measure in the Colorado State Legislature, short title, Overdose Prevention Center Authorization. According to the legislative summary, quote, the bill specifies that a city may authorize the operation of an overdose prevention center within the city's jurisdiction for the purpose of saving the lives of persons at risk of preventable overdoses, end quote. On March 1st, Colorado's House Public and Behavioral Health and Human Services Committee held a hearing on the measure. The committee first heard from two of the bill's sponsors, Representative Elizabeth Epps and Representative Jenny Wilford. Well, good afternoon, Madam Chair and members of the committee. I'm pleased to be here to present House Bill 1202 for your consideration. Many of you know that I had the honor of serving on the city council for five years prior to becoming a state representative. I've joined Rep. Apps today in sponsoring this bill because I can't tell you how many times I've heard from my residents that are finding needles in the park where our children's play seeing people use drugs on trails and bathrooms, witnessing Narcan being administered behind the grocery store, and losing their loved ones. And they're right. This is happening in our community, and people are dying not just in Denver, but in the suburbs, and I would argue in every corner of our state. And it's preventable. Drug use already happens in public spaces. An overdose prevention center will divert public drug use by people with an active addiction to a safe place where medical personnel are available to save lives. This diversion can reduce public nuisance crimes and public safety is enhanced when drugs are used in a regulated and monitored space not accessible to the general public. Drug overdose, drug, I'm sorry, drug overdose deaths have accelerated in recent years in the U.S. and in Colorado, contributing to the worst public health crisis in our history. We have the ability to hasten this trend when we give local governments the authority to establish overdose prevention centers. This is a tool in the toolbox that allows local elected officials to be responsive to their community's need and needs and enact solutions locally. When I think back to my time on city council, I can say that we worked really hard with the tools that we had to address addiction. We joined Denver and 15 other local governments in filing lawsuits in the U.S. District Court against the makers and distributors of prescription painkillers over the opioid epidemic. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, there is overflow in room 109 where you can continue to hear um, and be seated comfortably. Please continue, Representative. Thank you very much, Chair. We hired additional help to regularly clean our parks 
and we developed a crisis response unit to build relationships, provide resources and case management to our unhoused neighbors, including those who use drugs. Now, I'm not saying that with the passage of this bill that my community would be the first in line to open an overdose prevention center, but this bill will open up a conversation we haven't been able to have before with a solution that hasn't been on the table before. I've heard from some folks that their community isn't ready for an overdose prevention center, and that is okay. They don't have to be ready right this minute, 10 minutes from now or ever. There should be a lot of conversations about where a center will be located, how it could be funded, how it will be staffed, how law enforcement will interact with people who use the center, and if the community can get on board with the approach. These conversations don't happen overnight. They'll take time because what works in Grand Junction may not work in Thornton or in Denver. But that is the point of local control. Local control empowers local communities to foster innovations and to tailor solutions to the specific needs of their community while saving lives. The truth is simple. Addiction is a disease, and you have to be alive to get well. I'm committed to saving lives, period. You have to be alive to get well. You have to be alive to be able to get well. That's what our colleague told us, and that's what House Bill 23-1202 is all about. Helping our neighbors stay alive. Saving lives and local control. Going to be very brief, because as you know, there's an awful lot of people across Colorado who care deeply about this issue just as we do. Um, as we come into the testimony, I want you to consider colleagues that just a year ago, Colorado General Assembly allocated millions of dollars towards some very important things, including testing strips for folks who use banned drugs to test their drugs for the presence of fentanyl, um, uh, funds to be directed towards recovery and treatment, funds to be directed towards overdose uh, reversal agents like Narcan, Naloxone. We're, when we're deciding as a state to provide our folks with test strips, the natural corollary question is where, where are folks supposed to test their drugs? And when we're giving folks um, really important reversal agents to save lives like Narcan, where is that supposed to be used? While the problem of toxic drug supply touches every corner of the state, the preventable overdose crisis touching every single community in Colorado, it's also clear that our capital, that Denver, is bearing a disproportionate share of our losses, more than a person a day to a preventable drug overdose. And that question of where we are where our neighbors are to use the test strips, where we're to save their lives. We should decide that that shouldn't be alone in alleys, shouldn't be in bathrooms, on trains and in libraries, should be in the company of folks who care for them and are going to be there to help them stay alive. So we move into welcoming folks to come and share their testimony. I'm going to invite you to consider Consider what, what is the relevance in our discussion about 1202 of fear. And by that I mean the invitation that we as legislators are welcomed to make decisions based on facts, not just fear. 
to be courageous and make our choices based on data-driven, evidence-based information, not fear-mongering. But that said, there is a place for fear in the conversations today and beyond. And that fear is that someone in this room or someone in this city or in someone in your cities is not going to be with us when we get to celebrate passing this law and giving Denver an opportunity, Denver and all our cities, an opportunity to host an overdose prevention center when and if they're ready. That's the relevant fear. Um, I invite us to lean into that as we consider this, and we're going to come back together in maybe a couple of hours, and we're going to ask you then, um, as we've been asking you, uh, but to vote yes and help us advance local control of life-saving overdose prevention centers. Thank you. That was Colorado State Representative Elizabeth Epps. She was preceded by Representative Jenny Wilford. They testified March 1st before the Colorado Legislature's House Public and Behavioral Health and Human Services Committee as sponsors of House Bill 23-1202, which would allow municipalities to authorize the operation of an overdose prevention center. We'll have more in a moment. You're listening to Century of Lies. I'm your host, Doug McVeigh. The committee heard some very compelling testimony. Let's hear from a few of the witnesses. The next voice you hear will be that of Lisa Ravel, Executive Director of the Harm Reduction Action Center. My name is Lisa Ravel. I'm the Executive Director of the Harm Reduction Action Center, Colorado's largest public health agency that works specifically with people who inject drugs and people who smoke drugs such as crack, meth, and fentanyl. It is no secret we are in the worst overdose crisis we've ever been in, and it's with the most unpredictable drug supply. And it will actually continue to be the most unpredictable drug supply for the rest of our lives. Right now, my agency can prevent and eliminate the transmission of HIV and hepatitis C, resources, referrals, naloxone, fentanyl testing strips, but they're not able to use on my property. So they go a few blocks away to an alley or business bathroom, and they use there often alone. Not only are they using there, they're overdosing there. Not only are they overdosing there, they're dying of overdoses in public places. This bill is simply asking Colorado to allow communities to use every tool in the toolkit. And the tool we desperately need to bridge the gap between death and life are overdose prevention centers. I have a binder here, babes, that has data from the last 30 years and 16 countries that it promotes public safety, reduces public drug use, connects folks to services, promotes proper disposal, and saves lives. This is a very business-friendly initiative, as I can tell you, that it used to be cops coming up on people overdosing. Now it's 17-year-old baristas who are being re-triggered every day because they don't want to clean the bathroom before they go home because they've come up on someone overdosing. You're going to hear testimony today from experts such as people who use drugs, those that are in recovery, doctors, and community decision makers. You may also hear many of the questions that may come up are going to be very similar to what we talked about 13 years ago when we passed syringe exchange legislation. Right? We can assure you agencies will be great neighbors. I'd love to talk about the award we won. It will be discreet, and it's much needed in this overdose crisis. This bill is simply asking Colorado to finish what Denver started over four years ago. That's also over 1,400 drug-related deaths ago in Denver. Denver was trying something different. And lastly, I just want to say the number one substance use treatment admission requirement is people have to be alive. So if you support treatment and recovery, then you definitely support overdose prevention centers. Thank you. My name is Megan McKillop, and I am here representing the Colorado Municipal League and our 270 member cities and towns. CML is here today in strong support of House Bill 1202. 
Okay, hold on. Colorado has a strong tradition of local control. It's enshrined in our Constitution. I'm not crying about local control, to be clear. <laughs> in order to consider local conditions and address local requirements, community issues and needs should be addressed locally. And the League supports any effort to empower cities and towns, home rule and statutory, to address community needs. The League always urges the state to respect Colorado's tradition of local control and allow municipal officials to address local problems without interference from the state and federal government. And the League supports state-enabling legislation that provides, that provides municipalities with authority and flexibility to address local needs. This bill does just that. While the League supports 1202 because it recognizes the importance of local control, we also support any, uh, any assistance from the state to combat substance abuse and to offer harm reduction services in our communities. Every community is experiencing overdose deaths. I'm sure each of you know at least one person whose life has been in fact impacted by an overdose death. You will hear plenty of stories today of people who have been touched by this epidemic, and I am also one of those people. <laughs> I know firsthand how important easy access to substance abuse treatment is, and I know that it can save lives. <laughs> Representative Holtorf, you emphasize that we should consider thoughtful solutions to complex problems, and I can't, couldn't agree more. There is no better example of a thoughtful solution than this bill. It recognizes that we are not a one-size-fit-all state. It asks cities and towns to get feedback from the people who live there, the people who do business there, and local law enforcement agencies. House Bill 1202 is a clear example of the state deferring to local communities to address their needs, and it truly empowers our cities to use their own discretion to prevent overdose deaths. I'm happy to answer any questions. Thank you for tolerating. <laughs> Thank you for bringing your heart to the table. Um, Raquel Garcia, please. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. I'm seeing you all once again. My name is Raquel Garcia, and I am a woman in long-term recovery from alcohol use disorder and opiate use disorder. I am also co-chair on the Behavioral Health Advisory Council to the state of Colorado. I also advise Region 12 on their opiate use, or the uh, Opiate Advisory Council for Region 12 as well. I am someone who has also lost several people to overdose, including my best friend, Shauna Miller. For me, harm reduction and overdose prevention sites are simple. They are an opportunity to create connection and continue the heartbeat. I work on the front lines, and I employ others who also work on the front lines, and we can't save the lives of someone without a heartbeat. An overdose prevention site would offer an opportunity for those of us who work rurally to send places, to send our people to where they would receive connection and compassion. I love the idea of it being for rural communities that it would be community driven and that that, would, that local order would remain within the local community. Overdose prevention is bigger than a substance or compound. It's about connection to other people who are in struggle to sit next to them at their well until they want wellness and want to be better. Mm -hmm. 
I am willing to save some, someone as many times as it takes for them to want to be able to achieve sobriety on their own. I am blessed to be able to employ folks who have been saved several times themselves by, over, by overdose prevention measures and harm reduction measures. One of them sits to my left. Today, they are thriving parents, fathers, mothers, advocates, daughters, friends, and taxpayers. We buy homes. We invest in our communities. Not everyone gets treatment. Sometimes the avenue to treatment is coming to see you. We've tried institutionalizing folks. We've tried jails, treatment. This is a public health issue. It's going to take thinking outside of the box in a community of care. That's what I got. Thank you so much, committee, for the opportunity to testify. My name is Allison Coombs, and I am the Aurora City Council member representing Ward 5. I'm here on behalf of myself and not on behalf of the full council. Um, unfortunately, um, in our city, three members decide our lobbying priorities, and the majority of those three members decided to oppose this bill, which is disappointing to me because, as CML um, has represented, this really is an issue of local control. It's an issue where we, as a city and as local elected officials, should be responsible to our constituents. We should be responsible to have the discussion, no matter how hard it is to do so. And we should be responsible for weighing the impacts on our particular communities. Um, and in the city of Aurora, those impacts are many. Um, we know that we have a very significant homeless population in the city of Aurora at this point that is increasing. And many of the folks experiencing homelessness in our city are living with addiction and the impacts of addiction on their lives and their families. Um, this would be an opportunity for us to help them. Um, we also live with the effects of public drug use, and it's a major concern in our community. And it's not a partisan concern throughout our city. I have constituents of all stripes reaching out in support of addressing addiction and in support of providing options that mean that people aren't going to die of overdose in the process of seeking treatment. Um, and our staff and facilities are left to manage folks using drugs in the bathrooms. And they're not equipped to do that, and they don't have the capacity to do that. We run a very lean city. We do not have staff whose jobs it can be to manage overdose or even exposure to drugs in our public facilities. Um, it also impacts our businesses. They're struggling with folks using drugs in their bathrooms, in their alleys, in their doorways, and they reach out to us and they say, what are you going to do? about this, and this would also give us another tool. Um, and this is just that. It's a tool for local governments to use and to make those decisions, again, with our constituents in mind, in discussion with our constituents, and with a sense of responsibility to them. And that may mean that they say, no, don't do this. But to not give us that tool when we have all of those impacts happening in our cities is a disservice to us as local elected officials as well as the constituents that we represent along with you. Um, it's also an issue of saving lives. In the city of Aurora, we have a woeful inadequacy of detox beds, of drug treatment facilities. 
And so when we look at people and say, you know what, we don't have anywhere for you to go to get treatment, but we're also not going to do anything about overdose. We're saying it's okay with us if you die. You just heard Allison Coombs, a residential program manager for adults with intellectual and developmental disabilities and member of the Aurora City Council. She was preceded by Raquel Garcia, co-chair of the Colorado Behavioral Health Administration Advisory Council and founder and CEO of Hard Beauty. Megan McKillop, legislative and policy advocate at the Colorado Municipal League. And that segment began with Lisa Ravel, executive director of the Harm Reduction Action Center. You're listening to Century of Lies. I'm your host, Doug McVeigh. America's public enemy number one in the United States is drug abuse. In order to fight and defeat this enemy, it is necessary to wage a new all-out offensive. I have asked the Congress to provide the legislative authority and the funds to fuel this kind of an offensive. This will be a worldwide offensive dealing with the problems of sources of supply as well as Americans who may be stationed abroad wherever they are in the world. It will be government-wide pulling together the nine different fragmented areas within the government in which this problem is now being handled. And it will be nationwide in terms of a new educational program uh, that we trust will result as, uh, from the discussions that we have had. While we have time, let's hear a little more from that hearing. The next voice you hear will be Hassan Latif, Executive Director of the Second Chance Center. Good afternoon, Madam Chair, members of the committee. Thank you for allowing my testimony today. My name is Hassan Latif. I've been in recovery for over 30-plus years, and I've been a certified addiction specialist since 2009 and the Colorado Association of Addiction Professionals Excellence in Leadership Award winner. As such, I initially felt some cognitive dissonance, generally, and honestly, some degree of annoyance that the crack epidemic that ravaged black and brown communities, in particular for decades, was primarily only met with cries for increased policing and harsher sentences. Working through that personally was helped first by the fact that I actually value life without regard for ethnicity or my personal judgments about the struggles others experience in their lives or the decisions they make, they may make to manage them. And acknowledging that there are some, there are many paths to recovery and wellness, but someone needs to be alive to make the decision to take either. Some of the comments and testimony here today, if, if I didn't know better, would have me thinking the source of the addict population is is illicit, generated in ghettos, barrios, or trailer parks. However, the truth paints another picture entirely. 2021 National Survey of Drug Use and Health reports approximately 35 million Americans reported abuse or misuse issues connected to prescription drugs. I'm talking a lot of soccer moms, uh, legislators, police officers. Many of these addictions began as with a doctor's care and eventually was not so neatly managed. When it comes to addicts, America's number one. Supporters say the sites are humane, realistic responses to the deadliest drug crisis in U.S. history. Critics see them as illegal and the fetus answers to the harm that drugs wreak on users and communities. I doubt there are many family members of overdose fatalities that would not have preferred that one had been available to their loved one. Supervised drug consumption or overdose prevention sites go back decades in Europe, Australia, and Canada, 
Several U.S. cities in the state of Rhode Island have approved the concept, but no authorized sites were actually operating, to my understanding, until New York's On Point opened in November. Quote, it's a loving environment where people can use safely and stay alive, says Sam Rivera, the executive director of On Point. Uh, it's a nonprofit that runs the centers. We're showing up for people who too many uh, view as disposable. For a lot of folks, just providing a safe space is an introduction to available services and recovery support for any seeking such or living long enough to realize the need for same. Many life-saving and life-changing approaches to public health issues began with proclamations to often deaf ears and against stonewall oppositions from needle exchange, methadone treatment, or acu-detox centers like decades ago in the Bronx to evolve into successful paths to saving lives, reducing crime, and supporting overall health and wellness. My belief is that overdose prevention centers will come to be seen in the same light. I humbly ask this committee to vote in support of this bill and the life-saving intent behind it. Thank you. My name is Sarah Axelrath, and I'm a board-certified addiction medicine physician. I'm here representing Colorado Coalition for the Homeless to urge you to vote yes on this life-saving bill. Other experts are going to walk you through the evidence showing that overdose prevention centers save lives, and I ask you to listen to them carefully, but I'm not going to do that today. I'm here today to speak for my patients. There's been a lot of talk about my patients today, some of which, frankly, I have found objectionable. And yet you'll notice that my patients aren't here in the room to advocate them for themselves because they are on the streets trying not to die. Most of my patients are managing the dual challenges of chronic homelessness and severe opioid use disorder. Most of my patients use anywhere from 5 to 30 pills of fentanyl per day every day, and they are the people most likely to use a sanctioned overdose prevention center. I say sanctioned overdose prevention center because our city is already full of unsanctioned overdose prevention centers, as been, has been mentioned earlier. Every library, public park, and RTD depot is currently serving as an unsanctioned overdose prevention center. Given the choice between my patients using in one of these public places or alone in a locked apartment bathroom, I would advise them every time to use in public because the number one risk factor for fatal overdose is using alone in a place where you won't be found. Sanctioned overdose prevention centers offer an alternative. When an overdose prevention center opens in a community, people have the option to use both safely and in private under the supervision of trained specialists. There are other benefits too. It's well documented that overdose prevention centers work to connect people to addiction treatment and social services, help break the cycle of chaotic use, and support people in pursuing recovery. It's often well documented to correct a misinformation, uh, misstated fact that was mentioned earlier that it is not possible to overdose from fentanyl by touching it, and so overdose prevention sites do not pose that threat to people who volunteer work there or use there. Oftentimes, being a physician, much like I imagine being a legislator, means sitting with some uncomfortable truths and imperfect options. For years, I've been sitting with the uncomfortable truth that dozens of my patients didn't need to die in public bathrooms, abandoned buildings, parks, cars, trailers, porta-potties, alleys, stairwells, elevator shafts, underpasses, tents, parking garages, and I could keep going. I can understand if some of you find this to be an imperfect option and aren't feeling comfortable with the idea of an overdose prevention center in your community. I'm not asking you to feel comfortable with it. I'm asking you to weigh the evidence before you today and consider that in the middle of an unprecedented and unmitigated overdose crisis, this seems like one reasonable thing to try. 
not the only thing. If you don't want it in your neighborhood, then don't vote for it when it becomes before your city council. But please don't stand in the way of the ability of my community and others to decide for themselves how best to save their own lives and the lives of their loved ones. I appreciate your time and attention, and I'm happy to take any questions. You just heard Dr. Sarah Axelrath, a primary care and addiction medicine physician with the Colorado Coalition for the Homeless. She was preceded by Hassan Latif, executive director of the Second Chance Center. At the end of the hearing, the motion to refer House Bill 23-1202 to the Committee of the Whole passed on a vote of 8-3. to three. The measure was scheduled for a second reading in the whole House on Monday, March 6th. However, the House adjourned before they could get to it. We'll be following this story closely as it develops, so keep tuning in for more updates. For now, that's it. Thank you for joining us. This has been Century of Lies. I've been your host, Doug McVeigh. Century of Lies is a volunteer production for community radio and syndicated via the Pacifica Radio Foundation's audio port service. Find this edition of Century along with an archive of past shows at the Drug Truth Network website, drugtruth.net. You'll find a link there to subscribe to the Century of Lies podcast. We'll be back in a week with 30 more minutes of news and information about drug policy and the failed war on drugs. For the Drug Truth Network, this this is is Doug Doug McVeigh asking you to examine our policy of drug prohibition, the Century of Lies. Drug Truth Network programs archived at the James A. Baker III Institute for Public Policy. 